They're working on it. Let's hold our Bibles. Lift it up real high. If you're reading from your cell phone, you can lift it up. Samsung higher because they take nicer pictures. <laughs> iPhones a little lower. And if you're holding a who are we? You can hold it higher. This is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I will learn from God's Word. And my life will never be the same. Because faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. Matthew chapter number 14. Uh, We're going to be reading from verse 22. We're talking about how you can function supernaturally in your God-given assignment. Amen? Amen. How to function supernaturally in your God-given assignment. It says in Matthew chapter number 14, verse 22, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side. I want to draw your attention to that statement. He didn't say Jesus constrained his disciples To get into a ship, to go halfway and drown. Do you see it? He constrained them to get into a ship and to go before him all the way to the what? To the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. Verse 23. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out unto them, walking on the sea. So Jesus comes walking on their problem. How many of you realize that your problem, that you may be calling a mountain or a storm, is just a piece of cake for Jesus? He will walk all over it. Amen? He came walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled. Saying it is a spirit. And they cried out of fear, out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. Someone say, Be of good cheer. Say, Being of good cheer is your cure for fear. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come unto thee on water. And Jesus said, Come. God's promise is a yes and amen. Whenever you ask for something, The answer is always yes and amen. He said, bid me to come. And the Lord said, come. And Peter was come down out of the ship and he walked on the water. Someone say, Peter Peter. (laughs) walked on water. (laughs) Man, this dude walked on water. It doesn't matter what else happens. He is one of the few men that I know that walked on water. Amen. Peter walked on water to go to Jesus. And when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. Beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. I didn't say this in the first service, but I feel compelled to say it. I may forget it, you know, to say it next week. But, you know, the reason why Peter is walking on water is because Jesus said, come. And when Peter got out of the boat to walk, he's not walking on the water because the environment is conducive. He's walking on the water because he's walking on the word. It could have been a sunny day. And the water would have been as calm as ever. If he didn't have the word calm, he wouldn't have walked on water. So the wind boisterous had nothing to do with it. But you see how sometimes we get tripped up? When he saw the wind boisterous, in other words, when he focused on the wrong thing, he began to sink. When he took his eyes off of the word calm, he began to sink. The reason he was walking on water was not because of his own ingenuity. It was not because the economy was doing well. It was not because the environment was conducive. The reason he was walking on water or doing the miraculous was because he was walking on the word. And that works, that makes the word of God pivotal if we are going to walk in our God-given assignment. And not miss the course. Amen? And Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they had come into the ship, the wind ceased. I would like to believe they walked back to the ship. So he walked on water twice. Amen? Then, when they were in the ship, 
The wind ceased. So all of this happened while the storm was brewing. He did the miraculous in a bad environment. How many of you know that God doesn't have to wait until the economy is functioning well for him to bless you? God doesn't have to wait until the medicine kicks in for him to heal you. While all of that is going on, God can still do the miraculous in your life. The wind only ceased when they were way back into the boat. Amen? And when they had gone over, they came into the land of Genesaret. And when the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent out into all that country round about and brought unto him all that were diseased. Unlike how this story started, Jesus gave them an instruction. He said to them, I want you to get on the ship and go all the way to the other side. The instruction was not to get on the ship and drown. And if they had valued those words, they would not have been afraid. Because they would have said, no, the master gave us an instruction to go all the way to the other side. Fear came because they didn't keep those words in their hearts. Let us go to Psalm 119 verse 11. See what happens when we don't keep God's word in our heart. Psalm 119 Verse 11. If you have it, you can say I have it. Watch what it says. Psalm 119 verse 11. It says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Do you see it? It says, I have the ability to live a life, a sinless life, because I have hidden your word in my heart. Now, the word sin may trip up some of you. In this context, the word sin simply means to miss the mark. When it comes to your assignment, you can miss the mark. And here, the writer of Psalms is saying, the the way not to miss the mark when it comes to my assignment is to hide God's word in my heart. He says, I have hidden your word, and therefore, I will not sin against thee, or I will not miss my mark, or my destination. Similar to the, to the disciples, if the disciples had taken the words of the master and put them in their heart, hide them in their heart, to say Jesus said, we must get on the ship and go all the way to the other side, the storm would not have moved them. Yeah. Can I get an amen? amen? See, the word of God has to be pivotal if you are going to walk in your God-given assignment. Amen? And what's interesting about Psalm 119 is that Psalm 119 is right at the center of the Bible. And it's the longest chapter in the whole of the Bible. With 176 verses. Now, here's what's interesting. Almost every single one of those verses have something to say about the importance of God's word. Every single one of them. You could do a Russian uh, roulette with your iPad. Just flip it. The verse that you're going to get to will be talking about how important God's word is. 176 of them. And I don't believe it's a coincidence that God put it right at the center of the Bible. What is he saying? He's saying if you're going to succeed, you need to make the word of God the center of your life. Now watch how this psalm starts. Let's go to Psalm 119 verse 1. There are a few synonyms in in these 176 verses, you know, that talk about the importance of God's word. But let's start in verse 1. Watch what it says. It says, blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. So he uses different words for the word of God. And the word he used in verse 1 is the law of God. Still means the word of God. Amen? And here's what's also interesting, is that all these verses are almost grouped in eight verses each. Or eight uh, song stanzas each. And all of them follow the order of the Hebrew alphabet. So he's starting with A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And he's showing you how important God's word is, even in your daily language. Then you have to speak God's word. Remember, when the centurion went to Jesus and his servant was lying at home sick, he says, Master, you don't have to come to my house. Speak the word only. Hunt your neighbor and tell them, speak the word only. Why should you speak the word only? Why? Because God watches over his word to perform it. 
God does not watch over our opinions. He does not watch over how pressing the issue is. He watches over His Word. Why? Because His Word is forever settled in heaven. Amen? Now watch what He says uh, in Psalm 119 verse 89. Let's just pick a few samples uh, to see if what I'm saying is true. Psalm 119 verse 89. Forever, O Lord, Thy Word is settled in heaven. Psalm 119 verse 11. Thy testimonies, that word testimonies, still thy word, have I taken as a heritage forever. For they are the rejoicing of my heart. In other words, I love your word. Similar to what Job said. He said, I esteem your word more than my necessary food. I eat your word more than I eat KFC. Psalm 119, verse 28, precepts. Therefore, I esteem all your precepts concerning all things to be right. Concerning all things. Someone shout, concerning all things. There is a word for everything in God's word. And when you esteem God's word for all things, you might esteem God's word for your marriage, esteem God's word for your finances, esteem God's word for your healing. It says in Psalm 119, verse 142, Thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and thy law, or thy word, is the truth. See, the word of God is the ultimate truth. That's why why you don't see a a, a 17th revised version of the Bible. 17th edition, revised version. All you see is a translation of the same truth. Because the truth of the word of God is eternal. It never changes. You know, I've heard people say, oh no, the Bible is now outdated. You know, they must revise the Bible. No, the Word of God is the truth. And that truth is forever settled in heaven. Amen? Statutes is another word they use as a synonym for His Word. Psalm 119, verse 155. Salvation is far for the wicked, from the wicked, for they seek not thy statutes. In other words, they don't pursue God's Word. Man, if you want salvation to be in your house, and that word salvation means prosperity, it means healing, it means deliverance. If you want all of these things in your house, what you need to do is to pursue God's word. Hallelujah. Psalm 119 verse 172. My tongue shall speak of thy word, for all thy commandments are righteous. Thy commandments, commandments are righteous, they are right. Or your word is right, it's accurate. It cannot be in error. It does not contradict itself. You see, if you study it as a history book, you may think that it's contradicting itself. Amen? But when you study it as God's word, it will come alive. God himself will give you revelation to see that it all connects. Amen? Now, my personal favorite is uh, verse 130. It says, the entrance of your words gives light. It gives understanding unto the simple. Man, this is powerful. It says the entrance of his word brings light. It brings illumination. It brings revelation. Scientifically, it has been proven that while you're reading the Bible, there are sparks of energy. There are places in your brain that light up. Starts releasing endorphins. Creative juices. Amen? Why? Because the entrance of His Word brings light. It gives understanding to the simple. That word simple is simpleton. It gives understanding to the simpletons, to the retards. It gives understanding to people who didn't pass metric. See, that's why you don't need metric for you to win in the marketplace. You need the Word of God. Why? Because it gives understanding to the, you know, simple. Man, I'm a simple man. I know most pastors aren't. They're special, right? The bishops, the apostles, the prophets. Called from their mother's womb. Man, I'm a simple man. Grew up in a three-roomed house. Used to sleep under the kitchen table. I'm a simple man. All I know is to follow what God says. And guess what? It makes me look smart. That's what Yogi Cho said. All of these, uh, there was a group of American preachers who went out to South Korea to see Yogi Cho because he has the biggest church in the world, about 500,000 strong. And they were asking him about church growth strategies. They said, man, Yogi Cho, how did you do it? 
And he started laughing. He started laughing. He said, ha, 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 ha. All I've done over the years is read and do. I read and I do. <laughs> says, the problem with you Americans is you don't read and do. You read, sound sophisticated, but do none of it. That's why you ain't seeing the results for it. And that's the difference. God's word will bring understanding to the simple. Amen? It brings light. It brings illumination. It will break cycles. What is deliverance? Deliverance is just a breaking of old cycles, old habits. See, I've been involved in all kinds of deliverance sessions. I remember growing up, man, we would lay hands on people and they would throw up. We'd lay hands on people and they would just, you know, lie paralyzed on the floor after a deliverance session. But here's what puzzled me with almost all of them. They would go back and still do the very same thing that we had delivered them from. And I said, Lord, what's going on? And God told me, he said, the highest level. Someone say the highest level. Let me show you this. Let me show you this before I even show you the highest level of deliverance. Now, I brought my mosquito coils this morning. This is what happens to your brain every time you are involved in a circumstance, every time you read a book, every time you watch a television program. What's happening is everything you are inputting, everything you are receiving is creating cycles in your brain. Some of you grew up in so much poverty, you can't even picture yourself in a Bentley. Try it right now. Try it. (laughs) It says tilt. Some of you, there are cycles in your brain of poverty. You can't see yourself in a nice house. You try it. You, uh, uh. you know, I always tell my wife, the hardest thing for me to ever do is to visualize the Word of God. Because every time I read something in God's Word, I always want to visualize it. When He says you can run through a troop and scale over walls, I want to visualize it. I want to see it in my mind. But every now and again, because of what I've been experienced or exposed to, I always find myself tilting. And every time before I go to sleep, I visualize. I want to see God's word in my heart. But because of the cycles, sometimes I hit tilt. So how do I get rid of cycles? In the natural, they say if it has taken you 10 years to be programmed into poverty. In the natural. Someone say in the natural. It should take you 10 years to undo it. Man, that's a long time. Thank God for God's word. Because when God's word comes... It brings light. It creates new cycles that are not based on your circumstances, that are not based on what you have gone through. Amen? In fact, the Bible says in Hebrews 4.12, it says his word is quick. Someone say quick. That word quick does not mean fast. It means alive. So God's word is alive. It's quick and it's powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Why did he say two-edged sword? Because that was the latest technology of the day. Weaponry. And he said it's better than the latest technology of the day. You know, because before the two-edged sword, they only had uh, 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 swords that were sharpened on one edge. But the problem with that is it wasn't, you know, effective. It wasn't efficient. Because every time you strike, you'd have to, I said in the first service, kukoka. (laughs) You'd have to hit and then, you know, reload and then hit again. Like an axe. But with the double-edged sword, man, you can hit forehand. And while you're swinging uh, from the momentum of your forehand, backhand, you're still killing it. You can kill it with God's word. You're still killing it. Now, here's what he says. He says it's sharper than any two-edged sword to the dividing asunder of spirit and soul, bone and marrow. And it is the descent of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. What does it mean? It means God's word can change the cycles in your mind and in your heart. What should naturally take 10 years to unwind, God can do it in a moment. So the highest level of deliverance is found in John chapter number 8 verse 32. And you shall know the truth and the truth will... That's what the word of God comes to do. It will break you out of old cycles of poverty in a moment. But you have to receive it as revelation knowledge. So God's word is powerful when it comes to your assignment. It has to be at the center of everything that you do. Let's go to 2 Peter, chapter number 1, verse 17. Man, when that word enters into the garden of your heart, 
and it breaks out of the shell, out of the kernel, life will begin to shoot, creating new pathways that will create new habits. Just like most people can't help it, but they just see themselves sinning and going back to that old lifestyle, you won't be able to help it, but just live a blessed life. Because those are the new cycles in your mind. Man, you won't even need to work hard to connect to the blessing. Amen? amen. I said amen. Second Peter, chapter number 1, verse 17. Man, God's word is powerful. Second Peter, chapter number 1, verse 17. This is Peter writing. And he says, For he received from God the Father honor and glory. When they came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So Peter is talking about the experience that him, Jesus, James and John had at the Mount of Transfiguration. You remember the story? Jesus took them to the Mount of Transfiguration. And while they were there, the Bible says Jesus was transfigured. His face began to shine as the sun. His clothes began to illuminate as white as rain. His raiment were as white as the sun. It was such a glorious transformation. And he saw them and heard Jesus having a conversation with Elijah and Isaiah on the Mount of Transfiguration. It must have been an experience. And a bright cloud came from the heaven. And within that cloud, God spoke with an audible voice. Can you imagine? Man, you're just chilling at a mountain. Just minding your own business with Jesus. And his face starts shining like the sun. You need sunglasses to look at him. And his clothes, just white. Glory is coming out of him. Can you see it? And, and while you add it, a cloud comes down from heaven. And he heard the, a voice speak these words. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And Peter said, I was there. I experienced it. But watch what Peter says right after this. And this voice, which came from heaven, we heard. So Peter is not speculating. No, he heard it with his own two I experienced it. That's what Peter is saying. When we were with him on the Holy Mount. Peter heard this. Now watch what he says. Verse 19. We also have a more. Someone say more. More. So Peter is saying we have something better. What could be better than Jesus being transfigured? In such an extravagant fashion. He says, we have a more sure word of prophecy unto which you do well that take heed. He is saying God's word is more sure than what he experienced at the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, He's saying you have something better on your laps than what he experienced. Listen, if I was to do this, have two doors. For believers in Johannesburg, South Africa. Have two doors and say there is a conference here. Where you are going to hear God's audible voice. And supernatural manifestations. And then there is a door here. Where you are going to go and read God's word. People would stampede going in to try and hear God's voice audibly. Man, if God has to speak to you with an audible voice. Just give up. Because it means you haven't been paying attention to all he's been trying to say to you. God's word is his email to us. If your boss sends you an email, say, book me a flight to Cape Town. And your boss still has to get up from his office and walk over to your desk. You're fixing to get fired. Because that email is as good as for you and giving you the instruction. See, some of you are reading the email, but you're waiting for God to get up so you can hear the God's audible voice. And God is saying, man, my audible voice is great, but there is a more sure word. 
of prophecy, which is my word. He says, we have a more sure word of prophecy unto which you do well that take heed. Those that understand, those that receive it, those that honor it will do well. Next verse. As unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Next verse. Knowing this first, this is what we should know about God's word, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. So he's talking about God's word. He's talking about scripture and he confirms it in verse 20. He says, no scripture is of any private interpretation. What does that mean? That means if you have your own little revelation, that you only, no one else can bear witness to it. You only, you are the only one who, no one else bears witness with it. Then there is a problem. Amen? Number one. Number two, if you believe manifestations are higher than God's word, then you may as well have a magician as a pastor. Because, I mean, them cats can get a dove out of fire. Just... Have you ever been to a magic show? They'll get a dove. Not even an eagle. Not a, 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 a raven. A dove. The one that signifies the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Why is he saying God's word is more sure than manifestations? Because manifestations are based solely in the sense realm. And I believe in manifestations, watch this, to confirm God's word. I mean, we've seen manifestations in our own lives. We've seen healings. You know, when I met my wife in 2009, she used to wear glasses. And when we were one year, six months away from our wedding, she said, I don't want to take wedding pictures with glasses. So I'm going to believe God for healing. The motivation was a little bit of vain vanity, you know. You know, <laughs> I suppose. And, and guess what? She stood on God's word and God miraculously healed her. So I believe in healing, but I'm telling you, there's something more sure, which is God's word. And when you honor and respect God's word, it doesn't matter what you're confronted with, you will get to your destination. You know, I was preaching in Pretoria, and I preached, I think, for an hour. And after I preached for an hour, this gentleman walked up to me and he said, Pastor, do you have a word for me? I said, dude, I've been talking for 60 minutes. There's a whole lot of words in there. Just grab one and make it yours. He said, no, I don't mean that. I mean like a word for me. Essentially, what he wanted was for me to, you know, put on that lemon juice face and give him a word. Just, I'm sensing. And I confirmed. I was like, what, do you, what would you like a word for? He said, for healing. I said, I sense in Isaiah 53 verse 5 that by his stripes you are healed. Man, he was looking for something else extra outside of God's word. Why? Because he didn't believe God's word had all the solutions. Yeah. There's a period of history, a thousand years, where nothing is recorded. It's called the dark ages. Nothing was happening in the world. Nothing was happening in the marketplace. And if you study it further, you realize that during the same period, God's word was not available to common men. It was locked up in the monasteries. And even further, it was locked up in a language that common men could not understand. You take away God's word from the people, you take away the power to function in the marketplace. There were no medical discoveries. There were no technological innovations. Why? Because they didn't have God's word. They didn't have access to God's word, which brings light and illumination. The way you honor God's word will determine how much you will function in your God-given assignment. Amen? Amen. I said amen. Amen. And, And here I have to say, man, you don't need a whole lot of Bible. See, a lot of people are trying to read from Genesis to Revelations, you know, speed reading, through it without focusing and receiving the words that God wants you to receive as it pertains to your assignment. For this from God. Someone say one word. One word. And the word was, get on the ship. 
and go over to the other side. And for this assignment, that's the word they needed to stand on, meditate on, think on, receive from it. And as you do that, guess what? You are, I was saying in the first service, when you think about Kenneth Hagin, only one verse comes to mind. Mark 11, verse 23. One verse. Every book is written from Mark 11. When I think of Joseph Prince, only one word comes to mind, grace. And I was saying in uh, Atlanta, I was preaching in Atlanta, and I was saying to them, man, I don't know a whole lot of stuff. I know Romans 12, verse 2. I know that if I can change the way I think, it will transform my life. And I told them we planted a church on Romans 12, verse 2, and we have now planted two more on Romans 12, verse 2. And I told them it's growing on Romans 12, verse 2. I told them now they want us on TV. On one verse! Why? Because I let that verse come into my heart and let it speak life and let it release the light that is loaded in that verse. Amen? Amen? Man, we need to get to a place of meditation. We need to get to a place of honoring God's word. That's what, the apostle, that's what Job said. He said, man, I honor your words more than my necessary food. He said, your words are precious to me. Man, when you start reading God's word, when you start going into the Bible, treasure hunting for God's words that will change your life, then you know your life is about to be transformed. Man, when you start honoring God's word, you'll stop chasing people around. Man, before I honored God's word, I used to chase men of God around. I used to go to every conference in the city just so I can get something other than God's word. Just, just do something. Just lay hands on me. Just do something. Sell a bracelet. Do something. <laughs> and God is pointing me to his word. And I don't want that. I didn't want that. I don't want that. You know why? Because my perception of God's word was it's worthless. And your perception of God's word will determine how much you will get out of it. Man, you need to start honoring God's word. You need to start treating his words as life. Because that's what Jesus said in John 6, 63. He says, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. He says, if you build your life, Around his word, you shall be like a smart carpenter who, when the storm came, his house stood. Now you have to start letting the word of God form the foundation of your life. Amen. Amen? In closing, let us go now to Romans chapter number 1, verse 21. Man, whenever you see people dishonoring God's word, In fact, that's how most cults start. (laughs) When you hear people saying, man, we know something that is not in your Bible. That's how it starts. You know where I come from? There's a group of these uh, uh, people, the white Germans people. (laughs) They say we don't read from the Bible. Because it's stale. It's old manner. We hear directly from God. Now here's what's interesting about that whole setup. Only one man gets to hear from God. And he tells everybody who should be marrying who. So guess what? If I see a sister in church that I want to make my fifth wife, I can go and buy this guy some Nando's. And maybe you will hear from God about me getting connected to that person. It becomes a manipulative system. God wants you to hear directly from him. How is he going to do that? He has put it in your laps. You need to start reading it for yourself and start honoring it. It speaks of the Bereans. After they heard the word, they went back home to check and see if those things were so. You know why? Because whatever you receive is renewing your mind. And if you don't check to see if it is so, you may renew your mind to something that is not so. And I always check. I always check it out. I want to see it for myself. And the word of God has to be at the center of everything that we do. That's why 30 seconds 
you know, when they asked us uh, to get on this uh, uh, broadcast, uh, you know, I called a few friends of mine, and I said, man, how am I going to do this? And they said, man, you need to bring in all kinds of stuff. You need to, you can't just teach the word only. You're going to have to do something else. You're going to have to, you know, make it, spice it up so that it can be exciting. The only thing I know to do is to teach the word. I don't know how to do gymnastics. I don't know how to do any of that stuff. I said, man, 20 seconds in, we're going to be teaching the word. Until 30 seconds before signing out. Because that's what's going to change people's lives. When people gather every Thursday around life groups, guess what's at the center of all those meetings? It's God's word. Man, those devotions are chock full of scripture. If you want to fight, fight scripture. Don't fight me. See, when you put scripture out there, it, it takes away all the men marking. That's right. <laughs> See, people want to men mark people. See, but when I put scripture, there is no man marking. Man, you can deal with what the word is saying, yeah. not what Pastor T is saying. That's right. And if you don't like it, you can take it up with the man upstairs. Yeah. So he has given us his word so that it may minister life unto us. Romans chapter number 1 verse 21. This is talking about a people uh, who stopped seeing uh, manifestations of God's results in their lives. It says, because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. So the first thing that happened in their journey to not seeing God kind of results was that they knew God was God, but they didn't glorify him as God. In other words, they didn't honor his words. Amen? They didn't value his words. Praise and worshiping God will help you to value what God has to say over your life. And when you esteem what God has to say over your life, you cannot lose. Hallelujah! The second thing they did is they were unthankful. Man, gratitude has to be your attitude if you're going to prosper. Gratitude is an awesome environment for the word of God to prosper in your heart. Psalm 69 verse 30. Thank you, Jesus. Psalm 69 verse 30. Watch what it says. It says, I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him how? With thanksgiving. See, when you give God thanks, you're magnifying Him. And in fact, thanksgiving puts you in a place of humility. When you realize this wasn't just my strength. It places you in a place of humility. Number three, the third thing that happened that caused them not to uh, receive God's word and to function in their assignment was they became vain in their imaginations. Now, if you take this back to the story of the disciples sitting in a boat, you see the parallels. The first thing is they didn't magnify Jesus as God. They only magnified him as God after the storm. That's when they say, oh, surely he is the Son of God. If they had said, surely, He is the Son of God, after the feeding of the 5,000, guess what? They would have said, surely, His words will not fail. We are not going to perish in this storm. Yeah. And the second thing, they were not thankful. I mean, dude has just fed 5,000 people with two fish and five loaves of bread. If you had a thankful heart, how long would that fire take before you forget about it? Man, you would keep it in your heart as a remembrance. This was barely a day after. They should have been still dancing on this miracle. (laughs) But they were forgetful. What does the Bible say? Praise ye the Lord and forget not. His benefits. Don't forget the things that God has done for you. You know why? Because forgetfulness will put you in a place of unthankfulness. 
Man, you need to keep reminding yourself. Imagine if these dudes were sitting in the boat, singing songs of praise, saying, man, the master just fed 5,000 people from two fish and five loaves of bread. Man, they're just meditating on that and praising God for that. While they're still having a party for that, guess what? They would have defeated their storm with their thankful, grateful hearts. And what did it lead to? They became vain in their imaginations. You see, here's the thing. When you don't have a thankful heart, and you don't receive and honor God, you become vain in your imaginations. What does that mean? You start having all kinds of permutations of you losing. And I remember when I graduated, and I finished my uh, second degree, and I was now looking for a job, and I just couldn't find a job, man, I would sit at home with an unthankful heart. I would sit at home without focusing on glorifying God, and I would come up with all kinds of permutations. What if I don't get a job in this season? How am I going to get married? How am I going to feed my kids? How am I going to take them out to eat? Man, I'm coming up with vain imaginations. I'm going to be a loser. And guess what? That pity party will not give you victory in God. But when you focus on what Jesus has done over your life, it is the cure for vain imaginations. He says not only do they have vain imaginations, their foolish hearts were darkened. In other words, they started living at a place of darkness in their hearts. How many of you know that you can't function well Especially creatives who tell you they don't function well in a place of stress. See, when your heart is tormented by vain imaginations, you're going to be at a place of the darkness of the heart. And I used to do this well, but I just can't. Why? Because of vain imaginations. But when you honor the master, you honor his words. When you are thankful... You keep reminding yourself of the things that he has done. A good friend of ours, uh, she wrote a song. She said, when I think of his goodness, my soul cries hallelujah. When I think of his goodness, it moves me to a place of thankfulness. Come on, let's practice. Someone just shout, thank you, Jesus. Just think of the things that God has done for you. And some of you, He took you from a pit. And you're at a place now where finances are not an issue. Thank you, Jesus. You're at a place where you can now support and provide for your family. Some of you, He has given you promotion in the marketplace. It's not according, it's not because you're smart. It's not because you're clever. Some of you have functioning bodies. You didn't make yourself that way. Thank you, Jesus. Some of you are good at maths. Well, better than me at least. Some of you are great artists. Some of you are great in the marketplace. You just see opportunities where common men don't see them. Let me tell you, it's not because you're the smartest of the bunch. It is because God has deposited something on the inside of you. And when you stay with a thankful heart, guess what? You can stay at the place of revelation. You can stay at the place where you receive more. They didn't honor him as the master. And because of that, they were fearful in the storm. Why don't you stand on your feet? See, an unrenewed mind stops the flow of God's word in your life. They had vain imaginations and a foolish heart. Their foolish hearts were darkened. More than these are principles, I believe it's a progressive uh, process. It starts with not honoring God, Romans 1.21. It starts with knowing that he is God, but not glorifying him as God. And then it progresses to not being thankful. So it's a three-stage process. 
And when it's matured on the stage of not being thankful, you become vain in your imaginations. Father, we thank you that you're delivering them right now from a vain imagination. Some of you imagine that you're going to be single forever. And it has altered the way you make decisions. It has affected the way you function in relationships. Because you are fearful. And therefore you are never objective. And it has devalued you. But today we pray that God is breaking that cycle. In the name of Jesus. Some of you will think you will never be able to succeed at anything. This morning, we pray that God will deliver you out of that thinking. It's a vain imagination. It is not based on scripture. It's futile. It does not produce results. And we break it in the name of Jesus. Some of you, the enemy has convinced you that you will never succeed in your job. And you've bought into the lie. But this morning, God is delivering you from that. The Spirit of the Holy Ghost is here to deliver you and bring you into a place where you will begin to imagine endless possibilities, endless opportunities, endless promotions coming your way. Father, we thank you that you are creating new cycles In these, your children's minds. Cycles that will produce after its kind. Father, we thank you that every seed, every belief, every thought that the enemy has planted in their hearts, we uproot right now and destroy in the name of Jesus. No weapon. That is formed against these shall prosper. And every tongue that rises, we shall condemn. We speak against all the words of the enemy spoken over our lives. We speak against every curse word that has been declared over our life. We speak against every word of limitation. Every word of impossibility declared over our businesses, our careers, our families. With man, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. This marriage will work. This body will be healed. This business will succeed. This career will go forward and progress. In the name of Jesus, we are breaking forth. And Father, I thank you that you may begin to superimpose in their minds, even in the night season, visions beyond what they could ever visualize in their own strength. Even as you did with Joseph. Lord, I thank you that you're doing with these, your children, in the night seasons. Surprise them with visions of their destiny. Higher than they've ever imagined. Higher than they've ever experienced. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We want to pray with a group of people here. You know in your heart God's word is true. You know in your heart that it is loaded with endless possibilities. He says to lay aside all filthiness and all superfluity of naughtiness, but to receive his engrafted word, which is able to save your soul. The word of God is able to change the pictures in your soul. You know this. You know this. You've heard it. You know that God has the ability to take you to the next level. But you just can't see yourself there. 
I want to pray for you this morning. You just can't see yourself in the next level. For some of you, it's, it's marriage. The enemy has convinced you that you'll never remarry. The enemy has convinced you that there's no one for you out there. And you have believed that lie. Every time you try to see it in your heart, your heart tilts. Not me. For some of you, you are in a space at work where there seems there is no moving forward. Whenever you think about promotion, it just saps the energy out of you. Whenever you think about progress in the marketplace, it just makes you tired because you're trying to figure it out in the natural and there is no way they are going to pick you. And the enemy has convinced you to think this way. We want to break you out of that this morning. We want to pray for you. So if you are that person, you can't see yourself in the next level of your life that God is calling you to. You can't see yourself going all the way to the other side. We want to pray for you. Just lift your hand wherever you are. Thank you, Jesus. We break every chain right now. Every hand that has been lifted up. Father, we break every spirit of limitation. For these, your children. And Father, I thank you. That supernaturally, you will begin to put new mental pictures in their minds. You will begin to... Lord, I thank you that there is a birthing right now. There is a birth. Those who thought they could never get healed, there is a birthing. They see themselves walking again. They see themselves walking pain-free. Those who thought they would never remarry, Lord, I thank you that there is a birthing of a beautiful home, a marriage made in heaven. Everything working. Father, we pray that you may superimpose mental pictures that are higher than what we can figure out in the natural. That are higher than what we see the facts say to us. Even as you say it to your servant Abraham, get out of the tent. Get out of the place of limitation where all you can see is a roof. All you can see is a limitation. And look to the sky. And begin to count the stars of the sky. Endless possibilities. As many as the stars are in the sky, so shall your dream be. So shall your seed be. And as endless as it is, so shall your life be concerning marriage. As endless as it be, so shall your business be. So shall your marketplace progress. Father, I thank you for change. I thank you for transformation. I break every cycle that was created in their youth. I break it in the name of Jesus. I know we said it in a place of humor. Most of us in here cannot picture ourselves in a nice car. We can't. But today, it's changing. Some of us in here grew up in a home where the father and the mother, all they did was fight in front of the children. Those are the mental pictures created uh, in front of you. And you're thinking that's what marriage is about. No, God is bringing new mental pictures formed after his word. A marriage made in heaven. Everyone smiling, everyone happy, everyone serving one another. Just connecting at the place of love. Some of you, you've left your nationality determine the mental pictures that you receive when it comes to marketplace advancement. We break that cycle right now in the name of Jesus. Some of you have let what you have in your bank account right now determine God's possibilities over your life. We break that in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. 
mambre ndege ziblo shondo romo kosa ndara basha mambro ndege ziblo jenderemo kosa ndara masha Man, I'm telling you, it's changing. It's changing. It's changing. It's changing. It's changing. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your goodness. Lord, we thank you that even tonight, these, your children, will begin to see new pictures. When they are at their place of rest, when they are at their place of least resistance in the night seasons, when they are at their place of least calculation, Lord, I pray that you may superimpose by the Holy Ghost pictures framed from your word. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for doing it. We thank you for doing it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Man, I've always wondered why God waited for some, his, for some of his children in the Old Testament to go to sleep so that he could give them a dream. I've always wondered. It is because when you're sleeping, you're at your place of least resistance. Because if God had tried to give them that dream while they were awake, most of them would have fought it. Joseph would have said, no way. My brothers are not going to bow down before me. No way. I, re- I reject that. But God will wait for you to be in your place of least resistance and show you greatness that is already deposited on the inside of you. Man, you need to receive it. You need to receive it. I remember when we planted the church and God would ask me, do you see it full? And every time I would close my eyes, I could not see it full. I had to visit another church that was full to grab a hold of what it looks like to be in a church that's full. And then started seeing it in my mind first before it was manifested. And some of you are going to need to visit places that will challenge your imagination. Some of you are going to have to take a trip that will challenge your imagination. Some of you need to start watching things that challenge your imagination. Man, watch that that royal wedding. Who was getting married? Megan and who? Man, you need to watch that thing if you're single. You need to watch that thing and see yourself wearing that dress. See, some of you single people walking around talking about them. You know, I ain't got time watching nobody else's wedding. But you need to expose your faculties to something that you want to be in. Man, as you watch that thing... Begin to see yourself in a dress. Begin to make adjustments. And say, okay, I would have worn that tiara this way. I would have, uh, you know, and I'm going to do it at my wedding. Yeah. Amen. Amen. If you are in the name of Jesus, pay these words from Second Corinthians 5 verse 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight.